0: Hello. Um, my name is Michelle O'Brien, and I will be having a conversation with Cameron Wolfe for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. It is October 29th, and this is being recorded at the NYU Department of Sociology. Hello. Hi. How are you doing today? Um, Doing all right, doing all right. Um, well, let's start off, tell, uh, what what are your preferred gender pronouns or gender pronouns?
1: Yeah. I use they and them pronouns. Excellent. Excellent. And are there any sort of broad
0: descriptors of your gender identity that you feel comfortable
1: using? Yeah. Um, identify as, uh, trans and non-binary. Excellent. Um, where did you grow up? I grew up in um, in a small suburb of Cleveland, Ohio um, called Sugarin Falls. Um, Yeah, it's like a little um, uh, yeah, super white, conservative um, Christian little town. It's like, has like a waterfall down the middle and it's like a gazebo and a ice cream shop where I grew up. Wow. Do you know how your parents
0: made a living when you were born?
1: Um, yeah, my mom, um, they met through work. My mom, um, worked at United Way, um, doing, uh, fundraising, um, and my dad, um, worked in, like, accounting with, um, think at the time was like nationwide insurance I think is where I was working. Interesting.
0: Um, kind of boring, but
1: <laughs> 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 what was your
0: um, what do you remember of your family's dynamic when you were young?
1: Um, young like like child young? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, so I have one brother um, who's two years younger than me. Um, And, um, I was really close also with my mom's older sister, um, my aunt Ia, who's like not married, doesn't have kids. Um, and my mom grew up in Worcester, Ohio, about an hour and a half south of where I grew up. Um, but Ia would come up often, um, and like cook food, like take us to our sports games because my parents both, um, they both worked a lot growing up. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, I'm, I feel really lucky at this point, um, having a, being a really solid and, and, um, kind of, like, deepening the, like, intimacy and honesty with my parents. Um, it was pretty hard for, like, many years, um, as someone who wasn't, it wasn't at the time identifying obviously as is, is queer or um or trans but who like didn't fit the gender norms of what was expected um and they're both like my dad's side is jewish uh, my mom's side is um greek orthodox um my mom was the first person in her family to go to college um and she also then got, got like a master's degree um but they're both kind of on both sides, very, um, yeah, have like assimilated into this kind of like waspy culture. And so um, s- that was like another kind of strand of it being um, hard. I also went to like an, you know, quote unquote all girls school um, from like sixth grade until graduation, um, which has like other layers of like, experiences of like otherness and outsiderness and growing up in the suburbs um, unless you had a car is like super isolated um, going to this like private private school like half hour away so um, yeah the suburbs are miserable <laughs> and like beautiful at the same time like I really like I think where I grew up um, was like really beautiful I have, like such a soft spot in my heart for like wide open like highway vistas um but yeah
0: so um you've mentioned uh, gender dynamics in your family what were you probably like as a child
1: um well i'm a leo and that i feel like was um <laughs> uh so what was i like as a child like pretty like um was like the ringleader of different friend groups like um it was like fairly femmy as like a young kid like wouldn't wear dresses unless they like twirled um i did like ballet from age like four to twelve um uh was also um yeah it was also like a um a smart kid and like an ambitious kid and did well in school, um, and um, uh, yeah. And then I think like as soon as like puberty hit, and I switched. Sc- I mean, I switched schools um, from the like public school um, to the private school in sixth grade, and like that, just that like shift like, um, puberty in this, like, new, yeah, this, like, new school where everyone kind of, like, knew each other, or many people had, like, been there since they were, like, two years old, and their sisters went there, and their mothers went there, and it's kind of, like, legacy-type school spot, um, and, like, all of a sudden, yeah, like, getting acne, <laughs> and, like, um, yeah, like, puberty- is like so rough it's like so rough bodies are so can be so grotesque um and beautiful for sure but um I can't imagine as awkward as it's been going through this like second puberty I can't I have so much sympathy for my like 11 12 year old self like going through it for the first time um but yeah I don't know I was um yeah, so when I switched schools, I just, like, I think I, like, embraced this, like, weirdo persona, um, as a way to kind of, like, cope with mostly feeling really, um, uh, lonely and isolated, and, like, had, like, have always had, like, good, good friends, was, like, like, a handful of, like, close good friends who are also just, like, total, total weirdos, did your relationship with your parents and, and your
0: aunt shift in puberty and when you switched schools?
1: Um, um, yeah, I mean, my mom, um, she started working. She didn't work for, for some part of my, like, younger childhood. Childhood, and then went back to work. I think when I was like ten or something like that. Um, and so yeah, so it's like she. Um, I think the like onset of, of puberty and like transferring to this other school, and then her going back to work, um, and I think at the same time like my parents' marriage having a lot of challenges, and, um, my dad's alcoholism also, like, um, becoming more and more of a obvious issue, they all kind of conflated, um, but they all happened at the same time, so I think it's hard to, like, sort out what their, like, responses were, but, I mean, I remember, like, getting my period for the first time, um, like, the day after Christmas, and telling my aunt, my mom's parents both died before I was born, so my aunt is kind of this, like, um, I feel like she probably plays a role that some people who have, like, loving grandmothers play, um, and I'm, like, her favorite, um, it's, like, very obvious and, like, probably really fucked up, (laughs) it's, like, that's the family, like, truth, um, but just, like, going up to her, um, to her, she, when she stays at our house, she'll stay in this, like, of like top like attic space um and going up to her room being like yeah like i think i got my period and i felt so sick the night before and it's very much this like oh you've become a woman now like (laughs) congratulations like this kind of um and they're like yeah they're greek um so they're very like like, loud, like, she's just, yeah, she's, like, loud, she's very, like, adoring, and kind of, like, smothering sometimes, and, like, very just, like, um, like, she would, like, um, yeah, want me to, like, put makeup on, and, like, I remember, like, using, like, Nair as, like, the hair removal stuff, um, as, like, a young person, and then, um, And that being, like, very encouraged, or she would, like, want to put my, like, hair in, like, rollers, um, which I love, I mean, like, I, part of me, like, loved it, um, and, um, and then my, like, private school had, um, uniforms, too, but it was, like, this, like, very clear thing of, like, there was, like, the catalog that you could order your, like, skirts from and your little, like, button-downs, um, but, like, the cool kids, like, shopped at Abercrombie and wore, like, like had their, like, moms, like, like, sew their, like, skirts all, like, really short and, um, I don't know. You asked about my relationship, if it shifted in puberty. I think it just, I think it, um, yeah, I guess all these things, like, happen at the same time and, um, And in, like, eighth grade, like, was really, um, was, like, the first time I saw a therapist was, like, feeling, like, really, um, yeah, depressed and, like, suicidal. Um, and it's, like, that's also a part of it. Like, I don't remember, like, as, like, a 14-year-old, 13, 14-year-old, like, Like more details than that, but just that, like, yeah, it kind of feels like all of a sudden (laughs) everything was terrible. Um, Yeah.
0: Tell me more about the difficulties of your private school experience from 6th to 12th grade.
1: Um, I mean, so there's a school... um, Um... Well, so I think there's like a lot of different things like um it was um both like like athletics were really um celebrated and supported, so it's like if you play like lacrosse or field hockey or these kind of, like, prep school type things, um, that was, like, really, there's a lot of support and kind of, like, airtime in the school for that kind of stuff, and then science was the other, like, major, um, kind of thing that, that a lot of, like, school cultural, like, attention went towards. There wasn't a lot of, like, um, there certainly was never, like, a women's studies course, or, like, a course, like, why are we all together as girls, like, why does that matter, like, what is, and of course, like, it's, um, I feel really, as, like, a, a sort of, um, as someone who fantasizes about, like, queer separatist (laughs) spaces, or, like, trans separatist spaces, like, I don't necessarily think that the experience was, like, is bad, but, um, I remember just, like, really struggling with, like, um, yeah, with this kind of just, like, prep school kind of, like, funneling culture of, like, like there's this, like, um, it used to be that you would go your, like, senior year, your junior year, or whatever, you'd, like, go and see the headmistress, and this is, like, back in the 80s, like, not that long ago, you like, go to the headmistress, and she would tell you whether or not you were, like, just gonna, like, get married after you graduated, or whether or not you were gonna go to Smith, <laughs> like, and then get married. Like, it was, like, very, yeah, this, like, school that that was, um, I don't know, didn't feel like it took seriously our, like, um, our creativity or, like, power as, like, young women, um, unless it was being kind of funneled into, or kind of fell into one of these, like, socially acceptable kind of categories of what that kind of, like, success or whatever looked like. Um, so I, like, remember, like, my senior year of high school, I tried to, um, um, I, like, started a petition, because it's a tradition that when you graduate in, like, fourth and eighth and twelfth grades, um, that you wear white dresses and carry bouquets, and I was just, like, this is ridiculous, like, we're scholars, we're not fucking brides-to-be. So I started this petition, um, to try to, like, have us wear cap and gowns, um, and I think of my, like, graduating class of, like, 75, I think maybe, like, 18 people were in support, um of like yeah, these like early fe- feminist like stirrings right. I'm like this gender stuff is fucked. Um I'm swearing a lot, I hope that's okay. Uh, Swear like, okay. as much as you want. <laughs> okay. Um Um Yeah, and then I just yeah, I think I was also um was um yeah, it was like yeah, a smart kid, but also just, like, yeah, couldn't... was, like, so miserable, and so much just, like, didn't make sense. Like, rules didn't make sense to me, and so I was the kind of kid who would, like, say I was going to the bathroom, and then, like, leave the school, and, like, miss an hour of, like, biology, because, like, I, I don't know. It's just I, I've never been very good at, um, at, <laughs> like, doing things that I don't think were important. So that, that obviously, didn't got me into trouble sometimes um yeah what was your
0: experience of gender like and how people related with your gender during your teenage years
1: um I mean it was such a weird like all this being in um in like uniform and I think that was like one of the things that I actually look back and I'm like I'm so glad that like there are some ways in which that environment that in so many ways is so stifling or hostile and and conservative Uh, i mean like yeah i was um just like weird thing where i would like have these like conversations with friends about like how beautiful like women's bodies were and like so much more beautiful than like men's bodies whatever and yet the like two out people that I can remember. There was, like, one who was, like, had friends and was cool, and the other, like, was cool. Like, she was, like, part of the, it's like, clique of, like, basketball girls. Um, and then the other one was, like, totally, um, totally, like, ostracized and, like, made, like, it just, this, like, really, this, like, latent, like, attraction and, um... And, like, touching of each other's, like, um, yeah, it's, like, physical intimacy, yet, like, it being totally divorced from, like, an affirm, like, a, a queer identity or a lesbian identity, like, it's just, like, very stark. And, um, and I think as far as gender, anyways, I was, I guess I went off on a tangent, but, um like, we would, this, like, school is fairly, yeah, like, small and intimate, like, I mostly knew everyone, so you'd, like, have, like, groups of friends just, like, lying in a floor somewhere, like, in a hallway, like, it wasn't, we, like, kind of rejected, like, at least, like, my, like, friend group did this, like, social decorum of, like, you sit in chairs, (laughs) like, I don't know, like, you, like, like, we would come to school, like, and I, I really don't, remember, like, caring about what I wore even in high school, like, you know, I'd come wearing my, like, feather sweatshirts or, like, my old polo shirts from middle school, and, um, and at a certain point, um, yeah, I remember just kind of feeling, like, um, very, very kind of casual and, and laid back about it, um, and, um, and even something like, you know, like I don't. There were like many months um, of like winter time where I like wouldn't shave, um, and that within my like friend group at least of like other weirdos, like it was fine. It was like okay. Um, um, so I think my ex- my like experience of gender. In that environment, was um, at least my memory of it was like m- more. Um, it was like wasn't like a visceral experience of feeling like a um, feeling. I don't know, like these are like, kind of like like not at home in my body. or feeling like gendered, like, in another another kind of way, like, I don't, those feelings didn't, really didn't show up until, like, after college, but it was more so this kind of, like, it was always tied to these, like, politics and these, like, expectations of, like, what a woman was supposed to do with their life or what a girl was supposed to do and, um, the kind of, like, internal culture of the school, but also then, um, these kinds of, like, expectations from, like, my mom and my aunt were, like, why the fuck are you shaving, or, like, you should put some makeup on, or, like, here's some perfume, or, um, you know, we're going over to your grandparents, will you look a little bit nicer, and, <laughs> like, that kind of, um, yeah, that kind of stuff. I mean, I remember, like, my mom, like, got really mad at me, because I, like, didn't go to prom, um, she was, like, you're, people are going to think you're a lesbian, and I'm like, so what if they think I'm a lesbian? Like, and the truth of it was, I was, like, going down to Columbus to, like, see my friend Tim with my other friend, um, who I ended up, like, dating, like, this another boy who I ended up dating, like, you know, we, like, went and, like, smoked weed and saw movies and, like, biked around, like, Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> it was just, like, I was, like, I was, like, no, but, like, so what, um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: What did you do after high school?
1: Um, I went to um, I went to Wesleyan University um, in Connecticut. Um, where I majored in art history and German.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Were you shifting or growing during that time? in yourself? Um, um,
1: yeah, I I mean, I think like, um, uh, yes yes, and it like took a while like I think the first couple years of being there kind of like the same thing like had had good friends had close friends mostly did well but was also like very um, yeah like very depressed and like very anxious Um, and um, was just like yeah emotionally like not not doing very well, um, and then my junior year, um, I studied in Berlin for the whole year, um, in Germany, and, um, yeah, like, had panic attacks for the first, I mean, it was, like, really, um, um, and was, like, very much alone, like, Berlin in winter is just, it's, like, miserable, um, it's, like, cold and icy and dark, um, and, um, and there are a couple of experiences that I had, um, um, with, with men, um, that were, um, like, sexual assaults, or, like, there's that, and then also just like experiences that were just like, a, just like annoying. It's <laughs> like annoying or like dehumanizing in other kinds of ways. Um, and at the same time, having like very few friends, um, uh, there was a woman, um, uh, Clarice, who owns, she's a French woman, who owned this like vegan. Tart Shop in my neighborhood where I would spend a lot of time. Um, and she... I, I, I didn't... She was, like... She's this kind of, like, fat femme, like, punk, like, bright, had bright pink hair and, like, would always wear, like, combat boots and fishnets and, like, face piercings and um, was just so freaking hot. Um, and I definitely... I don't know, yeah, I, like, I spent so much time in this cafe and, like, again, like, wasn't identifying as queer until, um, basically until, like, returning to in that fall. <laughs> it's like, well, I want to date, I don't want to date men anymore. Um, but I think, like, there was something about her shop. I mean, even just, like, looking back at it, like, so I would take these, like, postcards, and it wasn't until, like, months later I'd be like, oh, like, oh, la, la, tart, like, yes, there's this, like, kind of, like, butch woman, like, with, like, a mustache, like, making a pie. Like, that (laughs) that was her, like, marketing material. I'm, like, and I, like, Googled her, and she turns out to be this, like, burlesque dancer and, like, rad, um, anti-fascist, like, um, dyke, um, who, and we, like, I, like, wrote her, like, a secret love, like, not, like, a secret love letter, but kind of, like, a. by the way, you were really important to my, like, queer identity, like, um, and she responded and we like follow each other on Instagram and stuff she's like it's like very lovely um but yeah so I think that it was very much like being away and kind of like being very alone and like mostly very unwell but with like yeah something about that tart shop something about the like experience of like sexual violence um that just kind of like um yeah sort of like came together and yeah and then that kind of fall um did find myself a girlfriend (laughs) and um and that I feel like was like the beginning of my like figuring out like what it meant for me to to be to, to identify as queer even if I think that there's like has always been these like strands of this presence of, like, gender nonconformity, and certainly of, like, feminist, like, um, uh, rebellion.
0: You've mentioned, um, struggling some with depression and anxiety and other things over this arc of your teenage years in college. Uh, How do you understand all that, looking back on it? Like, how do you make sense of it?
1: Um... Um I think I am someone who um, is very um like absorb absorptive or like absorb like absorbs other people's feelings or is, like, like hyper-aware of, like, tension in spaces, um, and is also very driven towards, like, care work, um, so, like, in my family, for example, it was, like, I don't think that I necessarily had the, like, even, like, knew that my dad was an alcoholic, right, when I was, like, in, like, I don't know if I would have used that term, but it was, like, oh, he, like, comes home from work and then just, like, drinks beers and walks around and, like, doesn't say hello to anyone and kind of is, like, a zombie in front of the television, like, that, like, absorbing that. And, um, you know, same thing with my, like, mom. Like, she would come home and then, um, um, from work, like, fairly late and would, like, chain-smoke cigarettes in the garage while, like, playing computer games and then, like, fall asleep on the couch. Like, it was just, like, none of it was... <laughs> was like warm or like uh loving or caring, um and and I think also in my um in this like kind of waspy like um type culture way of like suppressing like the, the family narrative and the status quo being so um like maintaining that and like maintaining the appearances especially my mom like her job is like fundraising right so she just like goes around and like hobnobs with like really wealthy people and gets them to give her money um and so the ways in which like um yeah the ways in which like starting to feel depressed but like not knowing like what like what is this, or how to name it? I remember, like, when I told my mom, like, finally, I like buckled down one day and just like started crying, and I was like, something's not right. I mean, she like took me shopping, you know, <laughs> like she like didn't, and I, that's okay. Like, it's hard. Like, how do you, how does one who is clearly struggling with so much, like, then support, um, support your kid who's like very much still a kid with some something? But anyways, she wasn't particularly like. And my family's not particularly, um, um, uh, um, what's the word I want to, like, use? Like, uh, I don't know, like, to- like, tolerating, like, difference or, like, being open to, like, pain or things that are, like, hard. Um, and they, they've changed, they're, like, changing a lot. They've changed a lot, like, um, and, um, but I think a lot of that, like, struggle with, like, depression and anxiety, like, very much just, like, stemmed from taking in all of this, like, all of that and, and kind of, um, yeah, internalizing it as if it was, like, my, my fault, um. Um, which then, like, you know, basically was more or less, like, um, you know, what I was told, like, in college, like, when I came out to my mom, um, it's, it, like, coincided with, um, my dad had been sober for a little while, um, and then over Thanksgiving break, my brother found, like, a not particularly well hid, like, 24 pack of beer in the garage, and I remember, like, being, um, like, my brother being like, Oh, like, I found something, and then we, like storming and like bringing it like in tears, and like, my dad was like in bed, and I was like, What is this? <laughs> What the fuck is this? Um, and that kind of like coinciding like, a couple days later with my mom like getting on the phone and me being like, Um, finding out that she had known, like, she had known and she like hadn't told any of us and kind of made this comparison of, like, what well, you think? It's painful for, like, you, if- for your dad to be drinking. Well, like, how do you think it makes me feel? You're a lesbian or you're, like, whatever. So this, is like, really, <laughs> so a lot of that, like, what was maybe, like, internalized, like, feelings of, like, responsibility or blame for not being able to, like, hold the family together in these, like, particular ways that as, like, a favorite child is a child who's, like, super extroverted and, like, knew how to, like, entertain and knew how to, like, make people feel good, um, was, like, very much then, like, later it's like, directly told, like, oh, yeah, you're, like, fucking it up. <laughs> you're, like, fucking it up for all of this. So, yeah, I think this kind of, like, I think a lot of the struggles with, like, my struggles of, like, depression and anxiety, like, have to do with this, like, needing this, like, of, like, individuation, right, of, like, needing to, like, trying all these different moments to have an identity that felt, that felt, I don't know, authenticity is, like, complicated, but, like, felt, felt true, felt grounded in who I was, what my desires were, what my experiences of the world were, um, and kind of throughout that, like, adolescence and early adulthood kind of every one of those like honest attempts kind of being shamed by my like family of origin and um, and um, yeah so I think that's that's kind of how I make sense of that Yeah, when did you move to New York uh, I moved to New York right after graduating or like a few months after graduating from um undergrad. Why did you move here? Um, I moved here because um because I had like thought that I wanted to um like pursue a career like in the arts or in um having like majored in art history. Um And one of my best friends, um, had found an apartment, one of my best friends from from college had found an apartment and she was like, you should move here with me, like you should do it. And, um, and yeah, so the first year kind of moved initially for her and had like a bunch of different, like arts related gigs. and like hated it (laughs) like very quickly stopped like realized that was not the world that i wanted to be a part of what year was that 2012. what was challenging about the art world um uh just like how much it was driven by money um and um, um yeah, and like appearances and PR and a particular kind of social and cultural capital that I both like didn't have and wasn't interested in getting or like cultivating. Um, and at the same time, I guess like early, either late in twenty twelve or early in twenty thirteen, started volunteering at um, Third Root Community Health Center. Um, and when there, um, the person who had been doing their like administrative work left. Um, I got hired to work there, so it was it was like a really nice, um, yeah, it felt like a shift into um, into work that was like community based, that was queer, that was um, uh, the like cooperative business model felt like a really different way of talking about and thinking about um, not just money, but resources um, and was like a work environment where you would walk in and when your coworkers like, would ask me, like, how are you doing? Like they really <laughs> wanted
0: to know how I was doing.
1: Um, so, yeah.
0: I, um, I think third root is important to some trans communities in New York in a number of different ways, and I'm not aware of an interview that's talked about it at all. Can you Mm. tell us a little bit about the history of Third Root and what it is and what it does and how it sort of intersects with queer and trans communities?
1: Oh gosh, yes. I'd be so happy to. Um, Third Root was founded I think in 2007 um, by um, a group of people one of whom being um, Jacoby Ballard, um, who's um, a trans um, herbalist, yoga teacher, um, and um, Julia um, Green. I think was one of I don't I don't know what pronouns Green uses. Green olives in the West Coast, but um, I think another like GNC identified, certainly queer identified. Herbalist, um, Julia Bennett, I know a black lesbian um, acupuncturist, and I forget who else was in this like, initial cohort of people, um, but it's located in um, Flatbush, um, and this cooperatively owned business that does um, sliding scale services, um, kind of massage uh, acupuncture, yoga, and herbalism are kind of the main things, so it's really addresses like the holistic or tries to serve um, both like people, but also ailments that aren't that are left out of um, traditional like Western um, healthcare system. Um, there's a lot; they have a huge like volunteer base um that kind of has historically helped with a lot of different things including ad- administration kind of front desk stuff um, um, they have Jacoby started doing and they still have done even since Jacoby's left um, a queer and trans yoga class um, that was certainly like the first place that I ever came to understand myself as a spiritual being so it's like a very very dear and precious to me for that reason um there's like a really powerful and very complicated community of people right like being a holistic health center um i think increasingly over the years like as that neighborhood on quatel road has has become more and more gentrified this kind of shift of like clientele it's like more and more white more and more wealthy so it's like how do you actually as a community center um who wants to be serving um folks of color the caribbean community that's that's in flatbush um queer folks and trans folks who um don't have as much access to resources generally to be able to do things like acupuncture um or know, just, like, (laughs) take care of, like, in general. It's, like, hard, it's complicated, and it's a messy place, but it's also, um, one that I know has, like, really, um, been, like, instrumental in the healing journeys of, like, so many queer and trans folks. Um, I loved working there. I worked there for, like, two years. Um, um, it was... Yeah, it's like an incredible project, and they're like really struggling now um, to kind of like stay afloat um, and to kind of really be living their values structurally, um, but also in a sustainable kind of kind of way. Yeah, I saw a somewhat frightening fundraising email from them recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard living in capitalism and trying to be a collective business um when like yeah some of the owners too like have like multiple jobs like the um cooperative um yeah multiple jobs are dealing with housing crises themselves they're some of them are like disabled and are unable to work enough you know hours like it's and then it's just like the constant flux of different volunteers and yoga teachers and it's like yeah it's it's hard um, um, and I think very much like unclear what will happen but from what I can tell I like actually ran into Emily Kramer who's one of the current um, collective owners it was like so perfect I had just been thinking about how I didn't have has been really stressing me out to make time to see friends, um, because of graduate school and just happened to like run into her. We both had like 45 minutes and we were like both going to like, um, at this like same little like lunch spot. I was like, do you want to sit down and have lunch? I was like, yeah, totally. She, so she seems like, she seems like she said that there's a lot of kind of community, volunteers kind of like really taking initiative and stepping up and like forming different committees of like fundraising or of like marketing or people who want to make make a video and um, and it, yeah so it seems like um, as it as it should be right like if it's gonna continue to exist it's gonna need to have more people in that process more people keeping them accountable and um, being more, I think, transparent and um, about the things that they need help on, but also more transparent on the ways that they're not doing what they could be or should be for their community or the community that they hope to serve. So, um, yeah, so Emily seemed really, like, stressed, (laughs) but also, like, hopeful. So who knows? Yeah. So what did you
0: do for work after... Getting alienated from the art, art scene.
1: Yeah, so I, were, so I was, um, I was there, like, administrative... I think my official title at Third Root was, um, like, coordinator of community and client needs. So you transitioned from being you know, a volunteer to yeah. a staff, okay. Yeah. Was not part of the, um, was not part of the cooperative, so it was, like, a, um... Staff rather than owner. Yeah, but kind of in that job, um trained volunteers, um, trained, like, trained and recruited volunteers, trained staff, um, did, like, front desk, just, like, the general front desk stuff, um, helped them, um, kind of revamp their sliding skill process, um, kind of, like, co-wrote, um, an anti-oppression training for staff people um, what else are some of the like big projects there um, um, I think that was like yeah that was that was a lot of it then I mean, they like, did like booking did scheduling both for like individual appointments but also for classes and how long did you do that job for? Um, about two years, um, and then right after that, switch over to Babeland.
0: And how how many trans people, would, or GNC people, would you say came, got involved at Third Root in one way or another?
1: Um. Um. Uh, let's see on the on the collective staff. Um, from when I first started there in 2013, um, I think of like a collective staff of six or seven. Two were trans um, or GNC-identified, um, and kind of a regular um, small but like definitely present number of um, TGNC um, volunteers. Um, uh, some of whom are like super, super active, um, parts of the community. Um, and, um, and yeah, and then, um, uh, a fair num- like a, I definitely like saw more trans people at Third Street than I like would see any, like, anywhere. Like mm-hmm. I don't know like how to like quantify or how to describe, but I'm like mm-hmm. they were they were there. Like, they came well, for services. They were someplace, service someplace providers. A volunteer
0: yeah. could interview
1: mm-hmm. them.
0: You it know, mm-hmm. would be really nice to yeah. to learn to have an archive of the history of that place and, yeah. and its work. I think it's really quite remarkable and yeah. sort of the development of trans healthcare mm-hmm. in
1: New York and. Yeah, I mean, right, because that was, like, a huge part of what, um, yeah, of what Jacoby kind of tried to do, and I think, I imagine probably is still doing, is, like, herbal, herbal care for, um, for people, um, who are having, I think it was, it was top surgery, um, was this kind of kit that, that we sold that had, like, a zine that went along with it, and, like, like, different salves for, um, uh, for like wound care and um. Yeah, so it was. Um... I lived with Kobe for a bit a time ago. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Well, and I guess I. I also just want to kind of then um, bring into the room like Jelani Fontaine, who's the other um, who's, and I, I'm not exactly sure everyone who's involved there, so I I might. Sure. be missing people, but um Jelani certainly has been there ever since I was. I think um, maybe got involved in like two thousand and nine or two thousand and ten. um, but they um they're an acupuncturist, um, uh, um, disabled, GNC, queer um, uh, person of color who's just like, mm-hmm like receive yeah receives um like if you're lucky enough to ever receive a treatment from it's like really incredible the amount of thoughtfulness and precision and um yeah they do they're like so calm they're capricorn um they're like very very grounded in that um yeah, so I understand, I think, yeah, that's another, like, amazing thing. Like, I was the youngest person there, so I was, like, 22, I guess, when I started working there, 23. Um, and I think Julia was the oldest person. She was in her, like, 60s. Jelani, I think, is in their 50s, or a couple of folks in their 40s, and then a handful of folks in their 30s. So this is, like, also not just, like, a very queer and, like, Multiracial, mixed class space, but also a very intergenerational space, which I think, um, yeah, to like be a coworker of um, of like other like trans elders and queer elders was just like so um, uh, yeah, it was so meaningful and so mm-hmm. shaped like who I am and my sense of. Um, my sense of history, my sense of, like, um, uh, humility, and um, certainly am not, um, there's, like, a lot of things that I wish I could be doing or should be doing, can be doing for, like, queer and trans elders, but, um, but yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible, it's an incredible and really powerful space. Where I, like, really feel like that If, like, my, like, junior year of college was, like, the first time I, like, was, like, oh, yeah, I'm, like, queer, like, this, like, oh, yeah, I was, like, totally lusting after, like, Clarissa, the tarant shop owner, like, working at Third Root was, like, the first time where I was, like, understood my queerness as, like, having potentially, like, healing, like, healing potential, like, in and of itself, it being, like, a spiritual power or a spiritual, um, asset, not to use like financial terms (laughs) to describe queerness, but like, yeah, having like, yeah, healing power and potential and, um, and like a sense of like coming together as like a, a family, especially when my family of origin stuff was particularly, um, hard
0: at that time. Was your gender identity developing during your time at 3rd Root? Um... Or shifting?
1: There was like... I don't think it really came... Well, I shaved my head for the first time while I was working at 3rd Root. Um, And I got, like, way more femme after that, which was, like, fun. but as, and I also are kind of around that time in early 2015 started dating um um dating a trans masculine person a trans man and was also living um had been living since 2013 at um Divine House um which is like a 20 person um collective living situation um that was was huh where is it it was in Clinton Hill um um so yeah it was majority queer also had a bunch of different um a bunch of TGNC folks um was also a mixed mixed race um mixed class um yeah cooperative space. So, um, but I think it was, like, really being in this, in this relationship, um, and then eventually, like, working, kind of starting to work at Babeland, um, in the fall of 2015, um, that my, um, my sense of, of transness like started to like emerge or started to have like vocabulary for it um, yeah tell me about starting market Um. it was um, so I I, I know um, or I had known Lena um, uh, solo um, from actually from undergrad, we both went to Wesleyan together and like took some like dance classes together. It's like funny, but um, that's right. She's a tap dancer. <laughs> yeah, well, we actually took modern dance classes yeah. together. But um, but yeah, she's um, yeah, she loves tap. Which I've never actually been able to see her perform. But I like, I don't. That's ridiculous. I like that needs to change. Um, but um, yeah, Lena hooked me up with an interview, um, and, um, yeah, and got hired, I think, I guess it was in, like, October, I think I started working in November, um, I worked at the, at the Brooklyn location, um, which was about, like, a 17-minute walk from my house, um, and, um, Yeah, it was awesome. I didn't know anything. I had never worked. I mean, I guess there are, like, ways in which Third Root was also retail, right? Like, we were selling services, um, and in some cases, like, product. Um, But a really different kind of retail experience than Babeland, which is, like, selling high-ends. I mean, yeah, trying to sell or selling a lot of, like, high-end luxury, um, whatever luxury and air quotes, because I think everyone deserves to, like, experience, like, sexual pleasure and have fancy vibrators and doldos and whatever the fuck they want to be fucking with. Um, but in the sense of, like, yeah, these kind of fancy, fancy products. Um, so it was my first time really doing, doing something like that. Um, but it was amazing. I worked, like, I think I started working mostly on weekends, and then, like, Mondays and Tuesday nights, which are super dead, especially in winter, and, um, and, yeah, like, nights when we would have, like, two customers between the hours of, like, seven to close, and so it was a lot of, like, listening to, like, Dixie Chicks, <laughs> to, like, Dolly Parton, and, like, parading around, and, like, getting really nerdy about astrology with my co-workers and, um, and, um, yeah, and I guess I just, I loved, like, I think at, at Third Root, even though I wasn't doing, um, like, medicine kind of stuff, like, it was still very, it felt like doing care work, um, because people would come in and they, they... Would often be in a lot of pain, or they would be dealing with whatever chronic or acute illness. And even if I was just scheduling an appointment or taking payments, like the kind of um, the kind of hospitality and the kind of um, patience and um, compassion, like I, I took that that very seriously. That part of my job, and I think very much similar at, at Babeland to Like my kind of like retail persona was. I think um, very much like caretakery of like what's going on with your body, like what do you what do you feel, what's happening in your relationships. I mean, I wouldn't straight up ask that, but it was my like work at Third group definitely informs like how I interacted with patients, with clients at um, at customers at at Babeland. Um, um,
0: yeah. What was the clientele at the, the store like?
1: Um, it was a lot of, like, Park Slope, like, moms, (laughs) Park Slope, like, yeah, like, ladies, um, uh, using ladies again in, like, air quotes, but that's the kind of, like, stereotypical, like, image that, that pops up. Um, a lot of folks, um, in, like, yeah, a lot of cis folks, a lot of straight folks, um, We would have, like, a brunch crowd that would be, like, the rowdiest that we would get, um, on, like, Saturdays and Sundays, um, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like the Brooklyn location had the reputation for being, like, um, yeah, just, like, kind of quiet, like, way more quiet and kind of, like, um, certainly, like, less, less, less punk, less, like, kind of grimy. Like, the store, the Brooklyn store, at least when I was working there, it was, like, very, like, boutique feel. Um, it's like, might be, like, it might have been a little bit, like, size-wise bigger than the Rivington store, but, um, but it was, like, very well-lit, and everything was on, like, glass, um, kind of, like, glass displays and shelves, and, um, it, yeah, it felt, like, polished for that kind of like park slope so like middle upper class um uh clientele which i think is really who babeline mostly serves anyways was like youngish straight cis women um yeah and what was the culture of queer and trans people
0: uh, in the staff like like Mm -hmm. what role did queer and transness play in the work
1: Um, I mean, like, I feel like almost everyone there, yeah, had identified, and I think actually, I mean, like, in my personal story, like, I think Babeland was, like, the first time that I introduced myself as using they and them pronouns, um, was still going by, um, my, like, given name, um. But, um, um, it's like, I, it's like almost, I, I'm like struggling to like describe what role it took because it's, it, it, like, it just was. Like, it's kind of like describing like what air feels like. Like, <laughs> it's just there, it's everywhere. It's, um, um, but it was people like m- many of my coworkers, like their queerness and their transness, um, and their like sexuality were like really primary, um, primary dimensions of their identity or how they kind of organize their understandings of self, um, and um, and we're kind of like. Like I, like, I remember it being kind of, like, a vulgar space, too, sometimes. Like, in a way that is not, I don't mean to be, like, demeaning in any way. It's like, it was, like, great. It was, like, yes, like, we're going to talk frankly about this stuff. We're going to, like, make jokes about... I mean, our freaking like, organizing slogan was, like, fists up for Babeland. I mean, it's just, like, um, it felt really, um, uh, yeah, like, an incredibly, like, liberating space Now it wasn't that we were like all like fucking all the time too like we would have like conversations of like not having had sex for like months and how our like relationships were like really hard and um or like you know asking like, I remember like I was like what happens like um I didn't know um certainly like my sexual life and like um, was really taught like as I was at Bayland and kind of gained access to both like um free shit like <laughs> free like toys and and information and was like r- like learning about like um about like kink and learning about BDSM and like it, that I think my like transness really emerged from my like sexual practices of, like, dominant and submissive, like, um, uh, play, like, power play that was, like, happening in my, like, relationship, so it's, anyways, but, um, but yeah, just being able to, like, ask, like, questions, like, like, what happens if you, like, fart when you have a butt plug-in. <laughs> it's, like, it was, like, that's, like, so... It's, like, that was just, like, normal. It's, like, I don't know. Let's Google it. <laughs> and, like, um, you know, when we would get, like... We would test out products, and, like, I knew, like, um, my close friends. Um, one of my, like, closest friends at the Brooklyn location. Like, we just would, like, yeah, text each other these, like, long, like... Like, oh, my God, I tried this the other day. Like, I masturbated with this toy. Like, whatever. It's just, like, this kind of, like, knowing the intimate details of, like... And it not being weird, it not being invasive, it just being, like, a really important part of, like, how we understood bodies to be in the world um, and desire to function and um, what, like, love and, like, tenderness could look like Um, just took on a whole new... A whole new um, shape at at um, and I think too, just like then, like I think our queerness and our and our um, transness, like the ways in which we dealt with kind of customers who were misogynist or who were transphobic or who were racist. Like there was this, um, the ways in which I like shared um, identity really transformed into, like, or kind of manifested in really caring for each other and caring for our co-workers when fucked up shit happened, which it did on a fairly regular basis, um, with, yeah, with creepy, creepy men calling and jerking off on the phone or coming in, and, um, and this happened more so at at the Soho and Irvington locations where there would be, like, people... Who would make overt threats like in the store but um but yeah so i think there's a ways in which too like that um uh yeah we like really had each other's um, backs and and that became an important i think organizing pool eventually yeah so there
0: Several different pieces there that you touched on and I'm just trying to think about teasing them out. So one is what what do you think the meaning of queerness and transness was for the cis straight customers mm. that weren't too bigoted, that mm-hmm. would come in and like want to shop at Babyland? Mm-hmm. Like what how what would it mean for them? Mm.
1: I mean, I know that, like, there's certain friends of mine, I think I did this sometimes, too, but I'm thinking about, like, there are a lot of, like, high femmes at Babeland. Yeah. Um, like, really, um, uh, who, like, used, I think, their queerness and their femness, um as a way to kind of, like, I don't know, like, intimidate customers into, like, buying things or listening them or, like, that kind of being a weird way of, like, establishing power in this space. Um, um... I think there's a way in which, like, queerness for better or for worse, like, was read as, like, cool and trendy, and so I think for our, like, straight cis, um, certainly our, like, Park Slope type folks to, like, um... There is a way in which... Um, yeah, I think it was maybe, like, red is, like... Uh, I don't know. Was there a sexual skillfulness associated with weirdness or something like that? Probably. Probably. I mean, certainly, like... Um, well, you know, this is, like, the other, like, like really strange thing, too, about being that shot. I don't know... I don't know how many of our straight as customers would come in and knew that we were all queer. Um, like I, I have this like tattoo on my upper arm that's um, done by um, Noel Longhall, who's um, an incredible trans tattoo artist, um, and it's uh, it's like was not intended to be from the outset to be, like, incredibly, like, cunty, but it's this, like, kind of coral like watery, squirty, kind of, like, it's just, it's, like, it feels very, like, it's, like, an incredibly queer tattoo. Um, and there would be so many, like, cis men who would come in and be like, I love that tattoo. Like, what is it? And I'm like, it's whatever you want it to be. Like, it just... I So I don't know, the, like, legibility of queerness, or, like, naming queerness in a particular way. I mean, it's also, like, I'll go home, and I'm, you know, like, I um, have had... I guess I was actually growing my hair out when I worked at Babeland. But, um... But always, like, understood myself to to be... To, like, look very... Que- like, I just... I'm like, I don't know how anyone could imagine me being anything other than that. But I actually... I don't... I don't know if for our customers there was such a direct, like... Um if it was, like, so direct as that, more so than it was just, like, okay, here are these people who, like, um, who look really hot, who, like, are not afraid to talk about buttholes or about, like, orgasms or about, like, um, flogging or whatever. They're, like, actually really patient and, um, really knowledgeable and, um, and and, like, yeah, savvy, and I, and I think, too, like, in the kinds of, like, educational thing, like, whatever, educational, and <laughs> like, air quotes that run did, it was, like, kind of, like, entertainment, right, these, like, 20-minute, like, minis were kind of just, like, like, short little, like, sex spectacles or, like, shows, like, it was, like, there were a lot of jokes, it was, like, humor was really involved, even in our longer ones, too, I mean, it was, like, we took it seriously, but it was also very... Um, playful and I think even if like there's some times in which like queerness was like used to like intimidate and like establish um, power and authority um, it was there are also these other moments of it being just like hopefully really like accessible and making it like playful and um, and actually like something that you could just like that anyone can can Go home and um, experience pleasure for themselves. I don't know. Both of those things. It's so interesting. And I imagine, I mean, I think that the Brooklyn location, I would imagine that my coworkers at Soho or Rivington probably had a really different experience of like. I would, I would, I would just be, yeah, I'd be really curious to like hear how they answered that question, cause, um, um and I, cause that was the other thing too. I mean, like even when there would be like, you know, like a dyke couple who would come in, um, I mean, it was always really important to us in our in our educational work and in our sales work to never assume how anyone was going to be using a toy or what that person what they would want based on how they looked, right? It was assuming that even if there were two people who we read as women came in, like, we don't know who they're having sex with or what parts they have, and that that is irrelevant to us, right? So there's almost this way, too, in which I think our interactions with customers sort of put onto them a, a queer, like, we were interacted with them in a queer way, that was, like, non-assuming, and then I think maybe planted seed. So if it's, like, so, like, walking in, and like, oh, you know, someone would be, like, oh, I want, I want a new toy. It's, like, what kind of toy do you want? Oh, I don't know, like, and being able to ask questions, well, like, do you want to be able to, like, use it with a partner? Do you want it, like, internally or externally? Okay, internally, like, do you want to use it, like, vaginally or anally? Like, all these kinds of questions that I think make abundantly clear to people the, like, the, like, abundance of ways that bodies can come together and the fact that there was there's not like a clear direct path towards pleasure i think maybe that's another that maybe is another way in which our queerness was was like filtered into the space but never like directly stated of like oh here's these like two you know at the same time like when like people who i'd read as queer would come in i'd be like totally like you know really excited to like help serve them and personally like i um with queer folks young folks young folks of color would always give them like discounts to, <laughs> that felt really important like i don't know like these like many ways of doing reparations like very like very many but that always felt for me like really important but I would be like, I think you're gay, so I'm going to give you a like, discount. it was just like, I'm going like, to add this in. Friends and family, you know. Yeah. And uh, you
0: mentioned the importance of uh, queerness in uh, establishing solidarity between mm-hmm. people when, when you'd face difficult situations. Before
1: the organizing started, do you have any examples of that? Um, well, I should say, like, I knew about the organizing before I started working at Babeland, because, um, because I was so close with Lena. Yeah. Um. What was the state of it when you first started working? Um. What was the state of it? Um. It was. very much at its, in its, like, beginning shape, um, I think it was still, like, Brooklyn, um, Brooklyn had not really been organized at all yet, I think there had been, like, a couple of attempts made with certain co-workers, but none of, none of it totally, like, stuck, um, or no one was, who had been, like, really, like, convinced and kind of signed on to be part of the organizing committee. Um, I remember going to an early meeting and it, it mostly being SoHo, or maybe exclusively being SoHo and, and Rivington folks, um, and sort of still, like, a, a group of, a fairly small group of, um, of really kind of committed folks from the get-go. Um, yeah, so it was a process, I think, of, like, um, of moving from, like, the, like, sh- sure bet people, <laughs> to, like, people who were, like, yes, like, we're definitely going to be on, like, the ones who it's not super hard to organize with and, like, slowly starting to, s- to spread out. Um, I think that's where we were.
0: And did you see, when you got the job, did you see your own role as really advancing and working on that effort, that utilization
1: effort? Like, yes and no. Um, I definitely... Um, like, I remember being on the phone... Or maybe it was even, like... Oh yeah, I think it was, like, on a phone call fairly early on with... um with, um, uh, with Steph, who was one of our union reps, and being like, I'm just really not an organizer. I just really hate organizing. Like, I'm just really not good at it. Like, so like, like, I saw being there, um, as, um, as like, wanting to help or, like, being committed at least in, like, a vote kind of way. And, and certainly, like, when we would have, like, new hires, like, definitely, um, um, yeah, I think I, like, I, like, did a lot of that at the Brooklyn location. was, like, pretty instrumental, I don't know, I don't want to, like, it was such a collective effort and such a collaborative effort. But as far as people who were like in that store, um, and who were like a hundred percent kind of committed, um, like that, that, that was me. Um, and and at the same time, like was like insecure as an organ, <laughs> insecure as an organized. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, committed to like committed to unionizing and committed to doing the work, and also, like, um, did it sort of, um, uh, um, not, like, begrudgingly, but just, like, kind of this, like, growing awareness of, like, um, this is so not the work that I, like, want to be doing for the rest of my life. Um, whereas like for Lena and I think for other folks like Alexa, um, who then ended up like working in union context, like it was very much like it was like oh this is amazing for Bayland and also this is like a professional like vocational like I want to do more of this. For me, it was like very much the opposite. <laughs> like, this is really not suited to my skill set. Um, Going into it, what were your associations or experience with unions? Um, my first girlfriend worked for the Hotel Trades Council, um, and s- had another close friend from college who, um, had done salting work, um, out in the Bay Area, um... Hotels, salting? Um, casino, casino, um, like, restaurant working, restaurant worker stuff in casinos. Um, so, um, but, but my first girlfriend worked in, um, in shops that had already been unionized, kind of getting new, bargaining new contracts, so she wasn't doing the kind of, um, yeah, the kind of work that, and we also weren't, um, weren't, like, communicating at that time, so... Um you know, and then I think I like had like like my my mom's mom um worked at Rubbermaid, um, in Worcester, Ohio. But kind of like grew up with stories about how like the Union like made Rubbermaid factory clothes, um, which whatever I don't I, that's probably not <laughs> what happened, obviously, but then i grew up with it not um with anything like a slightly negative kind of impression, but mostly being fairly um, unaware of unions and their, like, um, and the importance of, like, labor organizing and the history of labor organizing. Um, Because most of my family worked in, like, managerial management-type level positions,
0: But your exposure to friends and partners who were in the labor movement was enough to win you over positively?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's also like working working cooperative, like working in a cooperative business and living cooperatively um, and doing... um, I had been involved with um, Resource Generation, um, which organizes young people with wealth, in class privilege or on racial economic justice, like um, even though like there wasn't direct link to to labor um, organizing, like it it just like made a lot of sense. I'm like yeah of course um, and having I guess also at that time um, been involved with North Star Fund which. Um, Gives grants. I think to. I think they've given grants to to Retail Action Project, maybe. But if not, um, um, certainly like Brand Workers and um, um, uh, other like worker worker centers. So yeah, it was. I didn't. It didn't like need. I didn't need convincing. Um, and also, you know, being someone who had. Um, um, who had, who came from, like, a wealthy family and who had access to other resources, I also think that that, um, as far as, like, I think maybe part of why it was, it felt so clear, so obvious, was that the kind of, like, fear of losing one's job, or the fear of, like, repercussions or the, you know, like that wasn't something that I was wrestling with, which is a lot of my co-workers had had been working at Babeland for like years and that was like, and they were young and they were queer and they were trans and like these jobs are like, I mean I feel like and I don't know so much now under this like new ownership and post, kind of post unionizing who they're hiring, but at the time, I feel like it was, like, really one of the only spaces where people could, could work and, and know that they were gonna, yeah, would, like, be hired and know they could get some basic level of, like, workplace, um, acceptance, so,
0: um, yeah. So, tell me, in the course of trying to when people over in Brooklyn uh, and being a part of that, like, what were the relationships of solidarity like? Like, how did that, how, um, where was the solidarity strongest and mm-hmm. where what, where did it develop? Um, yeah, I
1: mean, I think in, um, in Brooklyn, um, I think mean, like, Brooklyn kind of had this, like, um, this, uh, we're, like, we're literally, like, across the river from these other stores, right? And most people who worked at the Brooklyn store also, like, lived in Brooklyn. Like, there was a, a sense of, like, um, some of the, like, and I, I think I mentioned, too, or alluded that, like, a lot of the, like, like I think Rivington and Soho, based on the clientele, based on it being, like, um, in places with, like, a lot of bars, like, a lot of more, like, rowdy people, being places where there's a lot more, um, a lot higher stakes on, like, um, like, they always had higher selling goals than Brooklyn did, too, um, so I think those were just, like, more intense, like, workplaces to be in, um, and, our manager um, was anyway. So so that those were some ways. And then I think also our our manager was someone who's good friends with a lot of um, the coworkers. Um, and um, she, I guess she might have left. Um, I Can't remember if she left like before, or after the like election. But I know that like that was like a, a barrier, one of the challenges to organizing in Brooklyn was that like, yeah, that our manager was like some people's like really close friends. So there was an allegiance towards um, towards her and, um, and there was one, um, yeah, like one, um, one of my coworkers who had been there for a really long time, um, who was, like, incredibly knowledgeable, was, like, one of the, um, um, uh, yeah, was incredibly, like, good at what she did and I think held a lot of power because of her seniority. Um, but was also like not explicitly anti-union but not explicitly pro-union um and that person also having a lot of strong friendships um the people have been there for a long time it was a lot harder to kind of like shift the shift the store in like both having her and, and so the
0: effective bonds in in the store worked against unionization
1: this way. Yeah. And I think there's like, you know, myself and then um, um, uh, Ariel, I think also then did a lot of union organizing. We were also both trainers. Um, so so that was like, I think a one way in which, like, when there was like staff turnover, it was like, yes, yeah, like, we're gonna like train them, we're gonna like um, yeah. start to like, yeah, that was, like, a, one of the the strategies or one of the tools that we used to kind of bring folks in from the very beginning. How would you approach training in a way that would move people towards the yeah. possibility of the union? I mean, it was never, like, of course it was, like, never, like, overt or, like, s- spoken out there, but it was, like, making sure we established good relationships from the get-go, that they, like, know who we are, they know, like, that we have power and authority in the store amongst our like co-worker constellation and then like asking people out for a coffee like shortly after they started kind of thing um, and sort of starting to like plant those seeds of like so like how's it going I don't know if you've heard it's been really challenging did you hear about this really fucked up thing that happened like um, you know and we're actually like trying to do this like you know, yeah, kind of planting those like seeds like that. Um, and I think too, um, like I was um, fired from Babeland, um, for having like mentioned the word union on the phone. I don't know if this has come up in any of the other like interviews, but I think there was like a way in which, um, as someone like so, I was really close with Lena, who worked at in Riv, and close with phoenix who worked at soho and <clears throat> then had like really close relationships with my co-workers do like i mean like like pro-union and anti-union for like we we just I, like really genuinely like loved everyone i worked with um so when i was able when i was fired like a couple of days like in, in the span of like two days were able to organize these like um yeah these like various like um, walkouts and, like, workshop, like, protests, um, and I think certainly, like, being a trainer and being someone who knew, just, like, knew a lot of people and had been kind of, um, yeah, been, like, a very, like, familiar and active space, who also, like, did a lot, like, taught a lot of workshops and stuff, the mini-workshops, not the full-length ones, but all of that, like, certainly, like, helped in the long run um how long were you at Bayline total before you were fired? I was like I think I was like three weeks short of my one year <laughs> um, yeah
0: and were there phases during that time in the, in the how the organizing was unfolding like were there major shifts during that year um
1: Um. I mean, like, yes, but I'm, I'm, like, trying to, like, remember what, I mean, I remember, like, one of them was, like, right after we won the election, there were, like, a bunch, like, 11 different write-ups that happened, um, uh, for, like... How far in were you when you won, when the election was won? So I started working in November. The election was won on May 20th, um, pretty sure it was May 20th, um... And so it was, like, maybe, like, the next week, like, all of a sudden, like, these, um, yeah, there was, like, a bunch of, like, really egregious, um, and, like, unprecedented, um, write-ups. And a group of us, like, a big group of, like, maybe, like, eight or nine of us, like, got together and had even, um, you know, without a contract, like, got together and with, um, the owners, Claire and Rachel, and their lawyer in the RWDSU offices, and like had this incredible, like, um, yeah, this incredible meeting where like so many people like spoke up, um, were able to like voice like what was what was unjust, like how this was really wrong, who was like breaking X, Y, and Z law, and I think like one of the like um, like one of the things that the RWDSU folks, like, Steph and Pete, um, did, like, such a good job of actually transferring power and, like, actually um, transferring, like, knowledge of the process and, like, knowledge of what our rights were and knowledge of, like, um, how to organize and how to, like, galvanize people. Um, So it was just, like, I think that was a real... That felt like a real turning point moment of like really exercising our collective power right after an election happened to like get those. I think we got a lot of those write ups like, um, uh, like taken, like gotten rid of and just as like oh. this kind of show of like, we can actually fucking do this. Like, it's like so and so. I feel like I don't remember if like one of the owners cried during that meeting, but like, just like feeling like such a high like like we can totally do this um and for folks who aren't
0: having listened to the other big interviews claire and rachel are the owners yes. rwdsu is mm-hmm. the union that you guys voted to join yeah and steph and pete are the uh, were staff at rwdsu who are yep. organizing you all So, you were there for six months in the run-up to the election, and Mm -hmm. then about six months after the election, and then were fired prior, a few months before they won their contract. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, you must have ended up, reluctantly, playing a major role in winning over votes at the Brooklyn store. I mean, if you were one of the only yes votes when you started, then...
1: Yeah, I mean, it... And I don't know. I mean, so we, we won. I think twenty one to four was yeah. the election vote. And I I'm pretty sure. Like, like I would guess that probably, like, if not all four of them came from Brooklyn, probably at least two or three of them came from Brooklyn. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, and I think there. You know, I think there were a couple like. Like so there a like, lot of unknowns. Yeah, and there were people, people who just like didn't know. show up to vote too from yeah. Brooklyn. At least one that I remember specifically. So um Yeah, I mean I certainly like tried and like did the best that I could, but I think Brooklyn continued to be and yeah, continued to be throughout the election and then kind of the the um, yeah, moments of of then like getting the contract, a a, a weaker like a weaker store, because um, um, cause there's another like one of the another really like strong pro union folks. Someone who now works at, at Pleasure Chest, Matan was fired shortly before the the election. Um, um, Vicky Wong, um, was an incredible, like, pro-union, um, would show up to, like, a bunch of the, like, contract negotiation, um, meetings. But I feel like, I think Vicky was, like, one of the fill-ins, you know? So it was, like, really, like, an incredible, um, and vocal supporter, but just wasn't at the store as often. Um... And I think, too, I mean, like, at the same time, like, that all this stuff is happening, um, went through, like, a really, like, a really challenging breakup and was also going through, kind of, more and more in a high end way, these, like, gender, gender feelings of, like, um, yeah, of, like, being, being trans and, like, not knowing how to, like, how to do that or how to be that amidst, like, immense like heartbreak and um and like a lot of like emotional struggle and at the same time too like the the end of that summer the collective i was living in um uh there was a someone who had been abusing power in a bunch of different ways throughout the years but um uh, had been sexually harassing one of our, one of my good friends in the house, and s- so our like house process also like, and the safety there also um, was like falling apart at the same time. So my my involvement um, at Babeland, my like capacity to like stay present and, and involved, and and was also, like, diminished by some of, like, the breakup that happened in June, and then the housing stuff that happened in the end of August, I think. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Was your, um, starting to come, like, identify as trans and, uh, non-binary, mm-hmm. did that shape your experience of being a worker at Babeland, or your relationships in the organizing campaign, or any aspect of the work there
1: um um I mean so I, I like alluded to this earlier like I think um um I think they were were maybe, like, they were parallel, sort of, like, parallel developments. Yeah. Um, um, You know, like, my transness really emerged from being, like, oh, like, emerged from an understanding of being, like, yeah, like, a top and, like, exerting a particular kind of, like, masculine energy with this, like, trans-masculine partner of mine, like, it, that it very much emerged from that and was affirmed by people like Phoenix and, like, very much, like, affirmed and, like, celebrated by other trans co-workers, um, um, one of my, like, um, dear friends, um, uh, trans woman at Babelands, like she was the first person when I was, like, debating what new names to go by, um, she was like, Well, why don't you like, do you want me to like try some out? Like, I'd be like totally happy to like test, like, see what sounds good. And I was like, Sure, like, go for it. And she like, she's like, Let's do Cameron. I was like, Okay. And like, as soon as she said Cameron, I was like, Oh my God, like, you make everything sound so good. But like, Yes, like, thank you. And um, that person, who's yeah, whose interview I don't think is public, so I won't mention her by name, but um, was just like, was also really active and like a really strong like union, um, like important union, um, uh, organizer. So, so I think as I like sought out and like received more and more support for my trans identity, those people also just happened to be some of the most like involved in the union campaign. Um, and I think, yeah, for it me... It might just, not just be a coincidence. <laughs> it's probably not just a coincidence. Yeah, those things... but So those things are, yeah, are certainly, yeah, are certainly true. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So right after the union vote, they wrote a lot of you up. You guys had a big sort of collective moment of power. Um, and then you had a you were involved in some months of trying to win a contract
1: Mm -hmm. yeah Um, yeah many months and I you know so I was fired in um, in like Um, um, mid-October and then I moved upstate actually like a few weeks after that Um, so I wasn't even in New York for a lot of those, um, most grueling moments of the contract negotiations. Um, tell us about getting fired. <laughs> um, oh my God. Well, this is another intersection of transness and labor for you. Um, I, yeah, I was like, I was working at babelen that day. I think, I'm pretty sure it was a Wednesday or a Tuesday. Um and had a call that some some reporter like wanted to talk to like Claire Rachel, but, like the owner, I don't even know if you said Claire and Rachel by name, but like the owners about some like story about serving um senior citizens of babeland um and it's just kind of like laughable because like Claire and Rachel will never never at the store like they didn't, I think they maybe did in early years of Babeland, um, but, um, but, yeah, we're just, like, never there. But anyway, so I was, like, I forget exactly what I said, um, but, like, mentions, like, mention the word union, um, and the next thing I know, as in,
0: you might also, be interested to know that we're trying to form a union here,
1: or, um, or yeah, something like I think there's was like some kind of like me. yeah, it's like you know we um, like you you might be interested in talking to like um, to like workers who are um, who are like on the floor with with client like with customers like we would have a lot to like say about. Um, Kind of how Beybland supports um, Elders and their like sexual lives and yeah, probably like, you know, sort of Snarkily or sneakily probably is like and by the way, (laughs) we also recently unionized, I don't know, but like The workers are probably who you want to talk to or or maybe one of the people you want to talk to for this like story Um, And then like, left work. I think I got a text or a call from Steph about that reporter who then had contacted the RWDSU about doing a story about the union, which I had not told him to do. I just, it was, like, really, like, it felt, in my memory of that conversation with him was, like, a thing that I mentioned in passing, um, and, I'd like, taken down his number and was gonna, like, you know, pass it along to Whoever the media policy is, and I think like meanwhile too, it's like the culture of like Babeland's management would just like send like even though they weren't supposed to be changing their rules under like status status quo, um, which is kind of like a, a a freeze in like policy changes from the moment that the election happens and is ratified through contract negotiation. But they were like realizing that a lot of their policies like were illegal or were like unclear, so they were kind of like putting out these like quote unquote new policies that weren't weren't really new, or they weren't supposed to be new, but they were like clarifications of what had already existed. So it was just I don't know. It was like a hot it was a hot mess. Um, but yeah, I got a text from Seth being like, "Oh, weird. This person called. Like, cool. Like, really excited. Do you want to talk to him?" And I was like, "I actually like I." can't, I'm like on the way to see Happy Birthday Marsha and this like documentary done by, um, about Marsha, um, uh, who's like an, um, like a black trans woman activist, um, formerly incarcerated person, um, with two trans women co of mine, co-workers of mine, um, it was at the, the screening was at the New School. Um, and there was like an incredible panel with other like trans activists and um, one of the, maybe both of the, the creators of it, but um, um, Tourmaline um, was there, some one of the creators, and was sitting like kind of next to or in between even these like two trans women co-workers of mine during the Q&A, and I just got this email from Claire being like, you broke our media policy, um, and you, like, are, um, like, I forget it, I could probably look up the, like, email, um, now it's, like, in the records, like, somewhere. But it was also, like, very clearly, like, said something, the fact of, like, you're just trying to, like, throw us under this was like really like unprecedented like pro-union blah 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 like you like broke all these whatever and you're fired effective now Um, I I I think I had gotten a voicemail from her earlier in the day actually and I texted Steph and I was like hey I just got this email from Claire or this voicemail from Claire to call her back which is also not was not precedented right like that they never got involved in like day to day functionings of the business, of the fact that it didn't come from my manager, it was just. And Steph was like, "I wouldn't worry about it. Like, call her back when you can, um, or like send her an email and, and ask her what's up." Um, so Steph, like, when I got this email in the middle of this like event celebrating the like resistance and life of like of um, of trans women of color, to just like get fired in the middle of it, like Steph, yeah, it was like really. Um, yeah, it was, like, really intense. Um, And Steph had, like, was, like, totally surprised. I mean, everyone was, like, did not see that coming. Um, I I had already put in my, like, notice um, that I would be leaving so I was moving upstate. So I think I had, like, yeah, like, three weeks left anyways on the job. Had already, like, put that notice in. I was, like, one of the, like, um, top selling, like, always sold above, like, the store median, um, was a trainer, did a lot of work. I mean, I was, like, incredibly, um, I don't know, yeah, was, like, otherwise, like, an exemplary (laughs) employee, despite, um, yeah, trying to collectivize workplace, um, but, yeah, um, so that, that happened, and then in the span of, like, like, the next day, it was like I can't remember if it was one, one full day of, like, making a lot of calls, like, sending a lot of text messages and emails and, um, trying to, like, spread the word about what happens, um, and, and then workers at the Rivington store organized, like, a, a walk, there had been these, like, store meetings that had also just, like, had been planned, um, for that, later that week, um. And so, yeah, workers at Rivington and Soho kind of planned these like protests to happen during their during their staff meetings, kind of in support of um, in support of the union, but also like demanding for me to get my job my job back. Um, Brooklyn did not do an action. Um, um, That's cold. It you know it was like a, it was a. It was complicated um but um but yeah and then i think we did like a bunch of different like a handful of different flyering kind of canvassing um right after also about kind of like my termination and kind of just like raising raising um awareness about the campaign and like the fact that it was like clearly an illegal an illegal firing, and that it was like just part and parcel of the ways in which, um, um, yeah, management was trying to like fuck over their workers. And I think in some ways, like the fact that I got fired when I did, like, again, like because of my, because I wasn't um, in a position of like financially, like financial instability, like that would have been for like. For a working, a working class or poor co-worker of mine, like nine hundred dollars or so, like out from like three three weeks of, of um, yeah, of no, of no employment. Um, so the fact that I like it, it, it wasn't gonna threaten my like ability to like eat or like pay for housing. The fact that I had really good relationships at all the different stores and the fact that it was kind of i think there had been sort of a lull in in workplace like labor organizing um and a lull in like momentum and getting our contracts signed all of these things kind of like and the fact that i was like going to be leaving anyways too like i already planned to like leave babeland was this kind of like in some ways are really like i wouldn't have wished anyone to be fired but in some ways like i think it was like a really awesome moment of of like remembering the power of, like, um, yeah, of, like, collective agency and collective organizing. And so, I don't know. I don't know if that's, like, fucked up. But that's kind of, like, how it panned out and how I, like, see it. Um, Makes sense to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is there more that you'd like to say about the Babe campaign? I want to ask you about what you've been doing since and mm-hmm. spirituality and...
1: Mm-hmm. Um... Um, is there more that I want to say about the the line campaign I just I mean just like the experience this has like come up but I just think like, the experience of um, of like not just like political solidarity of all yeah we're all trying to get better wages um, we're whatever like better wages better like um like job security like benefits like yes we're trying to do all these like sh- structural things and also like just solidarity in the sense of like the experience of being marginalized in like all sorts of different ways as like trans folks as women as folks of color as working class folks like the ways in which the experience of that marginalization was in some ways like much was, like, very heightened by the union campaign because of the ways in which management, um, was so clear on wanting to... Clear on the ways in which we we were insignificant to them, like, clear in the ways in which, like, our ability to sustain and, like, live, um... Uh, lives with like respect and like financial solvency um, was just like so unimportant to them like that coupled with then like in the face of that really coming together like in our marginality um, to experience ourselves as powerful to experience ourselves as capable of of impacting like structural change but also this kind of like healing work that I think was so much of what we were doing anyways with customers, right? Of like trying to plant these seeds of like different, different ways of understanding bodies, right? And bodies and what they can do and how they can love each other and how they can support each other. Like that, that all was like felt really strongly by me, by in the ways in which my coworkers kind of like rallied against me, rallied not against me, rallied for me. Um, in that moment of, of being fired, but also just, like, throughout, um, um, that it felt like, and just was, continues to be just, like, an incredible experience of, like, both, like, really rad queer and trans folks who are, like, sex positive and, like, um, uh, pro-union, pro-late, like, it just, it's, like, an incredible confluence of, like, of, of people, um. So I don't know, just, just that. Yeah. So where did you move upstate? Um, I moved to Troy, um, which is um, a town kind of 15 minutes away from Albany, in the capital, capital region. Um, I moved there because a, a former housemate of mine, um, one of my dear friends, um, asked me to be present for the birth of her child, um, uh, which was an incredible of incredible um yeah like honor to be part of that Um, but i moved in november of 2016 um sylvie was born um in april the following year um and ended up working um getting a job at the capital um uh, the pride center of the capital region doing um being their, like, program coordinator, um, so doing, um, doing some, like, public panel stuff of, like, gender 101, trans 101, um, um, sex ed 101, I taught on Valentine's Day a, um, sex ed workshop for PE teachers, (laughs) which was, like, just so funny, um, but then a lot of, like, um, also like volunteer volunteer training um, and facilitating of different of our um, of our teen our teen groups for LGBT youth, but then also our kind of trans um, adult kind of trans groups. Um, organize like um, what they call APOM alternative prom, which is like 300, 400 youth from around the capital region. Um, it's like big event um, yeah did a lot of like fun fun stuff um, there's a lot I mean I don't know if you were um, the the executive director um, Martha Harvey is like an incredible uh, turf um, so there's a lot of like a lot of transphobia in that institution at workplace and another um That's horrible. <laughs> it's really bad there's a lot of stuff um yeah Are a you lot still of working there no god no how um, long were you there i was only there for like seven months maybe um because um, i moved i began um started um like moved back to new york city to do my um to get my like Master of Divinity at Union Theological Seminary, um, but yeah, that's like a whole. Um, there's a whole other story of like incredible trans um, trans activism and organizing around um, the termination of um, my um, my dear friends. Um, uh, Jenna Moberg, I'm sure that they wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't mind them being here. They're another like trans feminine person who was fired illegally for um uh yeah. Um, I don't even remember what the the actual like yeah, incident was. Something about Facebook page and turfs and this kind of like clash of old older primarily white lesbians um, and kind of like conservative folks in the community upstate clashing with what was really one of the most, if not the most like active adult group that we had it was like the trans, um, the TGNC community who was always like really well attended, I mean folks with like, a lot of different needs who really saw the trans the trans, um, uh, trans pride, like support group is like one of the only places that they could go. A lot of like, I'd say like probably mostly like trans women and trans feminine folks, um, uh, who's like one of their only relatively safe spaces was the pride center. So when this, when this kind of like, Facebook, like, thing happened of, like, and, and Martha basically, like, I think, like, yeah, it was in support of, like, these, like, former board members or current board members who were just, like, spewing all this, like, um, this turf, which is, um, trans, exclusionary, radical, feminist, um, this like transphobic rhetoric, just kind of like letting it exist up there. Um, and I think actually now that I'm remembering, I think Jonah as like one of the employees, one of the I wasn't working there at that time, I'd already um, kind of transitioned out of staff, ended up deleting the post, um, and kind of like closing the Facebook page for comments because it had just gotten so violent and so volatile and there were a lot of like threats against local trans women that were happening on this. Um, on that page, and Martha, Jonah then got in trouble by Martha for having removed, for exerting agency that they didn't have to, like, take down that post, um, which, yeah, kind of, like, snowballed into a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, yeah, that, (laughs) that all happened, um, There's stuff, like, in the Times Union, but I think probably other, the Times Union is the, um, one of the, I guess it's the Albany paper, um, there was definitely written up about it, um, so, so, anyways, that's, like, one, yeah, one chapter, um, that you should definitely, if you're able to, I guess it's not New York City, but, um. But then, yeah, I moved back here to start this graduate program, um... And it's a Master's of Divinity. hmm Um, yeah, it's a three-year program. Most people who are at the school, um, are... It's like a professional track thing for folks who are trying to become ordained, um, priests and pastors, reverends, um... Um, I, um, my dad's side is Jewish, my mom's side is Greek Orthodox, My I was baptized but not, um, like do not identify as religiously affiliated, certainly wasn't a big part of my upbringing, um, but I'm there kind of with an interest in spiritual care work and chaplaincy work, um, had thought about going to social work school for a number of years, um, but um, from so many people who I had known who had gone, the schooling itself was like really technical and um, uh, some people landed jobs they really loved other people burned out really quick um, so ended up at Union kind of thinking about and wanting to do spiritual care work and chaplaincy or what is understood in like yeah, as like chaplaincy um, for for trans and gender non-conforming people. I'm kind of asking questions around like, what does that, what does that look like? What is the like, what are the ways in which like, spiritual lives have been understood as like, incompatible with the queer identity or with the trans identity in part because of like, religious trauma that so many people um, in the queer and trans community face. also it's like my personal like I never thought that I was like quote-unquote good enough to be spiritual um because of all this like shame around my otherness and my difference and my gender nonconformity, conformity and, and queerness right so what does it mean to like to um just a, to plant seeds of like that that's actually a part that's a just like we all have like physical health and emotional health. Like we also all have like spiritual health or or spiritual components of our being and that can manifest in a lot of different ways. But then more specifically, like within a healthcare setting, um, you know, right now like chaplains will see patients if they're like inpatient and in like end of life settings, they're also chaplains in like in prisons and in military and in some school contexts. But like, what would it look like for for chaplains um, to support trans folks um, at at different stages of their interactions with the healthcare system? So as they're considering going on hormones or are waiting for their surgery to happen, kind of these moments of profound transition, which is so much of what spiritual s- spiritual life is about, right? Like, there's ritual for birth and for death and for, you know, bottom and bar mitzvahs of, like, becoming a man, becoming a woman, um, getting married, right? It's these moments of transitioning from one state to another, um, which is so much, which is, yeah, what transitioning is, whether it's medical or social or, um, uh, legal, um, but especially I think as a non-binary person kind of interested in, in what it means to, to, to be permanently in a state of kind of liminal in between and how that affects one's, um, or how that interacts with one's like spirituality and spiritual sense of self, um. So that's what I'm up to now. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah I'm, um, yeah, I I think it's really important. It doesn't really exist yet <laughs> in the world. I mean, Mount Sinai, um, they, the Center for Transgender Medicine and Surgery opened, I think, like two years ago. And they've had chaplaincy services there for maybe, I think, most of that time. Um, but, um, but they're in a moment of trying to expand their, their spiritual care services to folks who are not just there for inpatient surgeries um, and, and overnight surgeries, too. Um, um, but I think most of the chaplains on staff, if not all of the chaplains are staff, are, are cisgendered. Um, and so I think certainly part of, like, Beyblend organizing, it's just, like, it's, it, like, has to... There's like a peer-to-peer kind of like element of of I think the most profound forms of healing, right? Um, so to be like a trans chaplain, or like I think about it as like if I want to call myself like a gender doula, almost, right? Where it, where it doesn't have this like religious or like Christian kind of like undertone, or this kind of like chaplain. Like I think people a lot of times like will ask me like, "Do you wear a collar?" And I'm like, "No, I don't wear a clerical collar." Like really cute like I think about like Halloween costumes of like being a kinky priest but um but no it's like really it's just about like being present being present for people and helping like hold, um yeah hold, hold space and not just in like a universally like comforting or supportive way it's like sometimes it's like holding space for people to feel into their pain, um, I was, um, I worked this past summer at Albany Medical Center as a, um, as a chaplain, and, um, and it's, like, incredible and powerful work, and I just, I wanted to be available and accessible, um, to people, not just religiously affiliated people, not just Christians, um not just folks who are dying or facing like chronic illness, but, um, but everyone. And I think that, I think that that is important also for our like political movements also for, um, um, yeah, this kind of like, how are we, how are we caring for each other for e- ourselves and each other? Um, what does it mean to like be in a body in capitalism, under like this this white supremacist transphobic administration? Um, how are how are we actually showing up in our day to day lives? Um, and that that feels yeah, that feels very much like life's life's work.
0: Is there anything else that you would like to say and have included in the scenario?
1: Um, I feel like we covered a lot. There's a lot of stuff. Um, no, um, just thanks for doing this work. Um, Thank you for giving your time and story. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, in uh, just checking in after the interview, there you you began to share mm-hmm. i pointed out some of the common threads between around spiritual health and care but also the sort of contradictions and dynamics between trans people and cis people and queer communities and you began to share something else about mm-hmm. your work in seminary
1: yeah um so there are, i think there are like maybe six six or seven um Uh, trans or, um, GNC, intersex identified folks, um, at Union, Uh which which maybe has, like, 250 people altogether, um, and most of those folks are, um, came in, um, in my, in my year, um, so we're, like, a, a very, like, small group of people, um. And Union is kind of known as being a progressive Christian institution, Um, uh, the late um, uh, Dr. James Cohn, who passed in in May, was one of the founders of black liberation theology. Um, He was a professor for many decades. Um, Dolores Williams, who's um, one of the early, like, womanists, Theologians also taught at Union, so it has this like rich history of racial justice work um, and Christian Christian ethics. Um, but my experience as like a trans person, it's like we're just we're not in the curriculum. There are no there's two queer staff people, but they're not um, one's a dean and one's um, kind of the is not like a classroom professor. Um, and so there's not, like, queer faculty, like, faculty, really, um, and so it's just, like, really profound experience of just, like, isolation and a lot of, kind of, people being like, oh, you're doing, s- you're, like oh, you're trans, cool, like, that's cool, like, oh, you're doing trans stuff, like, that's great, keep doing it, but without a lot of critical engagement with my ideas, kind of this, like, experience of just, um, people kind of, like, deferring to my expertise. Um, and, which is fine, but it's hard. It's not a place where I feel like I'm growing and and most queers and many of the trans folks are kind of invested in the religious communities and kind of making those spaces, um, that queer queer affirming and um, queer friendly and inclusive and which is an incredible project and I like wish them all well but it's not necessarily folks who are asking structural questions um, about like imagining new new ways of organizing like new new what are the new institutions what are the different alternatives to to what currently exists and so yeah so it's an experience of like a lot of Uh, social and academic and spiritual loneliness. Um, And, yeah, I just, I I often wonder, I'm like, will I ever have a space like Babeland again? (laughs) Like, where there's just this, like, rich confluence of, like, trans people and queer people who are committed to each other in these, like, very like explicitly interdependent ways like you can't have a union if you're not committed like committed on a really foundational level to your co-workers and i think probably the same thing is true for a lot of religious communities or like the ideal right is that this that that spiritual practices heighten our our sensual knowing of of the like fundamental like interdependence of our of our lives right um and and not you know my hope so that it's not just in like a kind of spiritual or esoteric like we are all one sort of way even though that's important but it's also like the structural question of like how are what are our economics look like how are we sharing resources like how are we redistributing resources how are we like materially this is also that comes from living collectively for three and a half years too um and that space being really incredible of, like, sharing meals and sharing resources, but also, like, um, I, uh, yeah, I think in some moments also failed, um, to do some of that, like, economic, um, yeah, that, that work around, like, uh, yeah, economics that really, like, support and take into account identity in addition to, um, uh, and and how that identity shapes and influences one's ability to like make money and and literally like survive. Um, so, um, yeah. So I just I, I I feel like I'm constantly searching for a community. And and yeah, more community people who really want like opportunities to like deeply invest in other trans folks and like and and like um and what that I don't know exactly like what that what that looks like at the intersection of transness and like spiritual care work and like collective organizing, collective living, but, but there's this kind of sense of like um of wanting to find that and then also being like a graduate student and being like immensely overwhelmed by papers and work and things like that but that's yeah that's what I was gonna add I guess (laughs) yeah yeah makes a lot of sense yeah Uh, okay you can turn the